Hi, I'm Jason Pritchard, and welcome to the EVTOL Insights Podcast, a brilliant show featuring guests from companies in the EVTOL aircraft and urban air mobility markets. Throughout each episode, we'll be finding out about their exciting projects, which will help revolutionise the way we travel in future and get their insights into the current state of the industry. In this episode, I'm joined by Simon Bresciano, who is John Air Mobility's Chief Commercial Officer. He is an experienced aerospace engineer and commercial pilot with 20 years of experience at Georgia Institute of Technology. At Jaunt, he is responsible for the company's commercial strategy and its global network of aerospace and infrastructure partners. He also leads a team of experienced professionals in the development of the advanced air mobility ecosystem. Simon, thank you so much for joining me on the EVTOL Insights podcast. Thank you, Jason, for having me, and thank you for inviting John to be part of your podcast. I've touched a little bit upon your background before joining John, but would you be able to tell our listeners a bit more about your background and what led you to joining the company? Absolutely, yeah. As you mentioned, I was at Georgia Tech uh, for many years in aerospace engineering and doing quite a bit of research in primarily in conceptual aircraft design. I worked closely uh, while I was at Georgia Tech with the FAA, uh, NASA, and a variety of different aerospace industry companies, big and small, doing uh, technology integration for advanced aircraft designs. So looking at various configurations for, you know, and in, in terms of distributed electric propulsion, also integrating autonomy and understanding, you know, the future of, of autonomous vehicles and their operational roles as well. And so I spent quite a bit of time in the last, I would say, five to eight years understanding the future of on-demand mobility and thin-haul aviation and what ended up uh, ultimately becoming what we now know as urban air mobility or advanced air mobility. And progressively, you know, we knew the technology on the aircraft uh, side uh, was, was really progressing quite nicely. And it was no doubt in many of our minds that this would become a reality someday. And so most of my more, the latter years, I would say of of my time at Georgia Tech were spent really understanding the ecosystem and working with, uh, within Georgia Tech, with other departments, uh, within civil engineering, industrial uh, engineering, you know, smart cities at Georgia Tech group really to say, okay, now that we have this uh, technology platform, how are we going to integrate this into and make it a reality as a, as a transportation option for, for the public, of course, for, for cargo as well. That's really when, you know, we started to, you know, unveil many challenges uh, that we are all, you know, in some way or another addressing in the ecosystem today, um, whether it's the, the charging infrastructure, the physical infrastructure, the airspace architecture of the future, the public acceptance uh, side of things. And so that's my sort of near-term background, and, and that's what I ultimately brought into Jaunt Air Mobility. I started with Jaunt just over a year ago. I've been part of, you know, in some way or another with the company for since its inception two years ago. And uh, what really jumped out at me for from Jaunt was uh, the aircraft, uh, the technology, the maturity of the technology that, that we have uh, on 
on our aircraft and our uh, roadmap and development program that I felt was very, very realizable. And again, having done quite a bit of conceptual design, aircraft design uh, studies and trades over the years uh, at Georgia Tech, uh, we had a leading group there in urban air mobility. And I really think that our design configuration, patented design is one that is most likely, if not uh, very likely to be, you know, the first to market. And again, then we could talk about this a little later on in the podcast, but the key to, to making this all happen is getting through certification with a very confident development program. And so those, those are the key reasons, the aircraft and of course the individuals, especially at the leadership level that have the experience in aerospace and aviation to to actually make this happen, to, to get this uh, aircraft uh, through the various milestones and stages of development and to enter market. And you really need that as, as you know, in, in aerospace and the aviation industry, now there's, uh, whether it's individuals or companies that have spent decades in understanding the, the highly regulated environment, high capital uh, environment, to be able to field a, an aircraft, commercial aircraft, it requires a lot of experience. And so those were the key reasons for me that made it, uh, made Jaunt a company that I believe will be very successful in this in this market. You talked a bit more about Jaunt's eVTOL aircraft, Jaunt Journey. Are you able to tell our listeners a bit more about the planned roadmap? Because I know there's a lot of technology involved in the aircraft itself, but are you able to elaborate a bit more about that um, for our listeners who might not be aware and your planned roadmap leading to market? What we're doing with our Jaunt Journey, so that's our battery electric or all electric aircraft. That's our primary development program. We're currently underway and uh, I'll kind of start at the end, which is our target entry into service is 2026, which is essentially when we receive our type certification. Uh, We intend to certify under uh, Part 29 rotorcraft, transport category uh, rotorcraft. These uh, airworthiness rules or type certification is very similar across the FAA, EASA, and Transport Canada. And we intend to have that, you know, aircraft and commercial service by then. And so what we've laid out between now and 2026 is a program uh, on what we call sort of research, development, testing, evaluation, and certification program that essentially mirrors that of a typical aircraft development program today, rotorcraft and fixed wing aircraft, something that the authorities, uh, again, FAA, YASA, and Transport Canada are extremely familiar with. It is a compressed timeframe, as you're probably aware, developing and especially new technology or integrating new systems into aircraft require a tremendous amount of testing validation. Even though we're five years away, that is still quite a uh, a sporty timeframe. And so we, we have laid out a series of milestones to make that happen. And one of those key milestones is coming up in a couple years, two to two, two and a half years, which is the development or the flight test, uh, first flight test of our pre-production aircraft that will happen in 2023, 2024. Uh, sooner than later, we will be flying a, an aircraft that uh, essentially is going to be the design uh, that will be certified. And so the configuration that, that we'll have, we call it the pre-production aircraft, is because it, it's going to essentially uh, resemble the, the vehicle that will go through certification. We'll use that 
aircraft for uh, validation of uh, certain systems on board, understanding the handling qualities, starting to get pilots and, and doing the training programs. We'll do some demonstration flights. We'll do flights uh, that will help us uh, integrate with the operations and all of our other partners in the ecosystem that are working the operational aspects as well. Uh, so that, that aircraft is going to be quite busy over the next four to five years to uh, check the boxes that we need to check as we enter certification. And so, and then working our way back to now, you know, we're, we're doing uh, quite a lot of design and development work internally, but also in partnerships with the Air Force through various STTR programs, uh, which, which happy to definitely elaborate on as well. And then prior to today, we have a jaunt technology demonstrator that has undergone over 300 hours of uh, flight testing. Uh, last year, we did some testing as well. And then the purpose of that uh, technology demonstrator was to help mature the uh, main rotor technology. The main rotor that, that sits on top of that aircraft will be virtually identical to the main rotor that sits on top of the Jaunt Journey, uh, our all-electric aircraft. And the reason that's important is because that the main rotor for rotorcraft is really the most important, delicate uh, design feature and so having spent all the years prior to today in maturing that technology really puts us in a great position to then integrate that same design with our jaunt journey and then focus primarily on the new systems. We have a fixed wing with four propulsors, uh, four electric motors on the wing. Uh, and of course we have thermoplastic technology in the main structure of the aircraft. And then, of course, advanced avionics and other systems as well. Most important one being, obviously, the battery technology and the battery management system that BA Systems is developing for us. And so there's still quite a lot of work to do in terms of integration and design uh, and, and getting it all together. But we feel very confident having surpassed through a lot of testing over the years, the performance and validation of our main rotor uh, technology. And so that gives you, you know, a little bit of a picture of uh, where John is today and where we're heading over the next two years. And then, of course, uh, by 2026, we're going to be um, uh, operating commercially. I just wanted to move on to another part of uh, Jaunt's work that it's doing, and this is about Access Skyways. I know that we've spoken at length about the great work that you're doing in terms of this ecosystem, because it's not just about the eVTOL aircraft that makes up this wonderful ecosystem. For our listeners, again, who might not be aware, can you tell them a bit more about Access Skyways briefly and what impact you think it can have in this market? Access Skyways is the name that we've given to a, a, an alliance or a group of companies. We have five companies working together right now that we formed last year to specifically address the challenges surrounding the integration of eVTOLs into, you know, making it a reality, uh, commercial operations. And uh, as I touched on earlier, the infrastructure, the airspace, all of the challenges associated with really, truly operating an electric aircraft, uh, electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft in the future. And we, as we've approached the philosophy behind John in terms of its aircraft development program, partnering with tier one aerospace companies like BA Systems and others, we took that same approach to our ecosystem uh, as, we, as we engage with various customers 
who want to operate our aircraft, there's a lot of questions surrounding the operations, the concept of operations, the infrastructure, the charging, all of those things are elements that we felt require expertise from a variety of different areas. And we formed, you know, the, the, this consortium, this group to help address specifically some of the infrastructure challenges. Uh, associated with eVTOL operations. You know, when we speak to some of our future customers, whether it's individual operators or, you know, local government cities, um, municipalities, airports, various uh, here in the U.S., Department of Transportation, the state and, and local governments that are interested in potentially implementing an electric eVTOL. The companies that are working together, John Air Mobility, PSNS, BA Systems, Price and Cumming, those are companies that have decades of experience in their individual areas. As I mentioned, the, the primary area of, of focus, at least in the near term, concept of operations and what that means in terms of infrastructure. And so when you're thinking of, you know, infrastructure, it's not just like a vertiport, physical vertiport, but within that vertiport, you, ha you have to understand how the, the rules and regulations affect the, the design of the helipads, the FATO, the, uh, all the terminal services. And then when it, when you talk about charging and electrification, that that's a, an enormous uh, undertaking that requires, again, the experience that BAE Systems has, for instance, in, in their electrification of buses. And so the, and the technology and solutions they have to provide, you know, minimal impact on the grid, for instance. And so we're working with all of these companies to understand the solutions that you know, are best for a given uh, customer or community. And essentially that's where we are today with Access Skyways. Uh, we've been able to, and hopefully we'll announce this publicly soon, uh, we've been able to talk with various organizations in, in certain cities and areas here in the U.S. and start thinking about the roadmap for commercial operations. And what just one last important point on on this is that a lot of this uh, so last year or two community has been thinking about commercial operations in many, many years from now. But what we ought to be focusing on um, more importantly is the engagement that we have with these communities between now and then, whether it's the public acceptance factor that has to play a role and or the all the testing that, that has to take place um, and not just demonstrations, but truly testing the capabilities uh, of the aircraft and how they will integrate with uh, the infrastructure on the ground. And there's a lot of work to be done over the next few years in that regard. And so that's what we hope to do as Access Skyways is focus in the near term on working together to provide solutions and test and validate those solutions with communities and, and groups on the ground and, and then ultimately find the best solution for any given area um, for commercial operations. Great. Thanks so much, Simon. And you really touched upon a key point about public acceptance and that integration of eVTOL aircraft and the infrastructure as well. You mentioned as well about this need to engage with, with potential customers and operators about this concept. Public events and demonstrations are a really good way to start. Um, but what could the first ones look like, you know, especially as we're in a bit of a COVID-19 environment and there's a still a bit of a, we're still a little bit of a way off 
doing these sort of public demonstrations and, and events. But what could do you think the first ones could look like as we start to integrate these these new aircrafts into the communities and really tell them the advantages and and sort of benefits that this new type of aviation will have? Public demonstrations certainly help convey you know the reality of of how these EVTOLs perform. There's there's nothing like you know visually seeing an aircraft take off and land and understand how it performs and behaves like a traditional, you know, rotorcraft, for instance. Uh, But with all of the benefits of this new technology, the ability to take off and land quietly, fly overhead quietly, safely, we'll have to ultimately show the public, you know, how not not just how it works on a regular mission, but what are all the potential scenarios that can occur, whether it's for you know people on the ground or people inside of the aircraft, understanding what their journey is gonna look like from a safety, from a comfort uh, standpoint, uh, and from a cost uh, standpoint as well. So all of these aspects will have to be demonstrated in some way or another. I think there's more to just having demonstrations of aircraft uh, for the public, I think those are a good way. And those will certainly be seeing many, many of those. We're going to be part of that too over the next few years. There are other ways to help them in- immerse themselves into this future concept. And it, it could be done through simulations. It could be done through virtual reality, for instance. You know, you, you can go to a, a an exhibit, for instance, or um, whether it's at a conference or at fixed location at an airport or wherever it might be within a city where people could be even in a mall, for instance, where people who have never heard of this concept, and, and there are many, of course, have to get a sense of what this journey will look like and what how it will benefit them. And, and one way to do that uh, in the absence of having an aircraft is to, you know, with all the advanced technology we have in in simulation and, and VR, uh, we could give them that that feeling of of what it might might look like and what it might feel uh, like to fly in these aircraft. And so those are other ways uh, we can can do that over the coming years, of course, respecting, you know, certainly this year with the pandemic seeing still being extremely uh, critical. But it's important to start to kind of get past what we've already seen, which is really awesome, you know, renderings and videos of many of these aircraft and really start to address some some of the major concerns of not just the public, uh, but the investors, um, the regulatory agencies. I think a majority of people that are at least interested in this concept have a pretty good grasp of how these aircraft are going to fly for the most part. But I think what people haven't yet addressed enough, and by people, I mean some of the, the companies, the OEMs especially, are, you know, the various scenarios, emergency scenarios, you know, what, what happens if something goes wrong, if you have a loss of power, propulsion, whatever it might be, uh, what happens when you're flying through IMC or, you know, adverse weather conditions, how is your aircraft going to behave as you're approaching um, a helipad with gusty winds? Uh, what kind of uh, confidence are you going to give the public and how are you going to demonstrate that your aircraft is safe? And and I, I, I say that because we've gotten to a point where I think safety and of course certification, but safety is is paramount now to really make sure everyone understands what, what are the safety features of the aircraft, the characteristics, the handling qualities. As you know, the majority of the, the population globally, and I'm 
highly generalizing here, but I would I would venture to say that most people don't like flying in small aircraft. Um, I'm a pilot. I fly small aircraft, and my passengers not all feel excited. And every time I tell them I'll take them up on a in, in a small aircraft. So the point there is we need to project a, an immense level of uh, confidence in the safety of our aircraft. We need to show them that it's going to be equivalent, if not safer, than commercial aircraft. That's what they're going to expect. We're, we're all selling a vehicle that is going to be put into commercial operation. This won't be general aviation. This will be commercial operation that over at low altitudes, over populated cities, I think people are going to expect that all of the uh, technology and all of the analysis and testing that has gone into these aircraft uh, will result in an aircraft that is equivalent to what you'd fly in an airline today. There's a lot of trust uh, that goes into getting onto a Boeing or an Airbus commercial airliner. And we have to get to a point where that, that is the same trust we have from people getting into our aircraft. You know, again, over the course of the last year or two, everyone's getting more and more educated about these aircraft and their capabilities. And of course, there's a lot of talk about payload and range and all those, you know, performance characteristics. Those are all going to evolve as battery technology matures. But one area that we really need to uh, talk more about is safety and and the expectations of the regulatory agencies uh, on that. And, you know, ultimately what the FAA, YASA and Transport Canada and others um, say is safe. Typically the public will, will, will believe that there's an enormous uh, trust factor in at least uh, in, in most of these uh, regulatory agencies. So that, that is just an important topic, I think, of 2021 that, that needs to uh, brought to bear. If I could just switch um, to a bit that you mentioned earlier in our conversation, and that's with the Agility Prime contract that John was all awarded early this year. It will be working with BAE Systems, I understand, and Binghamton University in New York State to develop extreme fast charging solutions for electric aircraft. Are you able to tell the listeners about the work that will entail in this? Um, as I know, we've spoken in the past about the the need to develop the the charging infrastructure for for these aircraft. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll talk about the other two as well. We actually have three parallel STTR contracts uh, with with the Air Force helping develop some of the critical technology on our aircraft, and of course, charging associated with our aircraft to to really push, you know, and overcome some of the challenges that that, that we all have. Um, and so these are all phase one STTR projects. Uh, we're teamed up on one of them, as you mentioned, with BA Systems and Bing- Binghamton University, developing a commercial f- extreme fast charging solution. Uh, and that integrates the, the extreme fast charging power electronics, battery cooling, and smart communications with the vehicle and battery system Uh, to support both on-vehicle charging and depot-level charging needs. And this is uh, technology that has been developed uh, by Binghamton University, leading a lot of that research and coupling it with the work that BAE Systems is doing on the packaging of battery uh, systems. And then understanding all of the requirements that have to go into fast charging an aircraft in minutes, essentially, the C rates, you know, the implication of of fast charging on uh, battery life, uh, obviously the thermal impacts. Uh, so all those considerations are being 
taken into account. Uh, we are roughly in the latter stages of this phase one. We're hoping to finish here over the next month or so and will yield a lot of really insightful results of, uh, regarding the development of this extreme fast charging solution. Again, being such a critical aspect of making you know these high tempo operations work, but at the same time, ensuring that you're maintaining the life of the battery uh, on these aircraft. So there's a lot of these different considerations when you think about uh, charging. The second one we're doing is Another critical aspect of, of the, the aircraft, which is our props on our wings, uh, our scim scimitar propellers design that we have in our patented design on the jaunt journey. So we have two, two props on each wing, four total. And these are the props that are essentially gonna propel the aircraft forward in flight and also serve as anti-torque in vertical, you know, for yaw in vertical takeoff and landing. You know, and so in cruise, our main rotor slows down significantly to the point where you don't hear it at all. It's extremely slow. And so what the, the noise that's propagating from the aircraft uh, overhead is coming from the props. And so we are working with, again, our research institution for this project is Penn State University and the enormous experience they have with PSU WAPWAP and all the acoustic analysis they've done over the years uh, for advanced technologies and aircraft. We're working with them and being able to uh, understand the advanced propeller and the acoustic benefits in both low speed and high speed operation. Um, and so that that's a that's also yielding really interesting results on the design of those props. We're achieving, you know, the acoustic levels that are really low. We're very excited about where this is going. You know, you're 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 basically not going to hear this aircraft fly overhead, which is just amazing uh, when we when we think about it. And then the third one is another STR that we have collaborating with uh Triumph uh, and their thermoplastics uh, um, experience and Georgia Tech and all of the aerostructural optimization capabilities that they've developed over the years. And we're combining all of that together to understand, you know, the, the benefits of thermoplastic composites as we plan to introduce that uh, into the entirety of the aircraft, as well as the advanced manufacturing techniques to develop the uh, target flow times and costs uh, to ultimately achieve the low cost production targets. This again is critical uh, for all of the OEMs and for all of us who really want to uh, meet the demand, the aircraft demand that's gonna that's being projected over the next two decades. We'll have to really transform the way we produce aircraft, especially speed up the time it takes to produce a fuselage of an aircraft and the structures. And so the only real way that really is going to take place is it by using thermoplastic composites and advanced automation, hot press forming, induction welding techniques uh, to make that happen. And to really do that, we can't do it in the absence of understanding the thermoplastic um, you know, thicknesses and everything for the aircraft. So for this project, we chose the wing structure as a proof of concept and uh, working with Georgia Tech on optimizing that design and then help Triumph coming in to, uh, to provide all the manufacturing uh, targets and techniques. And again, we're looking forward to the outcome of this project here in about a month to really show how much and by how much percent we can reduce the cost of production of 
uh, while maintaining, if not improving in weight and strength, uh, the structural capabilities of, of thermoplastics. So all three of those are, are critical. And of course, we have other, other aspects of the aircraft uh, that are being addressed, but we're very fortunate to have worked with the Air Force on, on the technology development for these three areas. And um, we're going to continue them uh, and expand on them significantly here starting uh, this year. Great. Thanks so much, Simon. And it's really good to hear all the work that's been done with these three contracts, because I know that they'll have so much impact going forward um, as the industry begins to scale up too. We talk a lot about partnerships in the podcast series, and I know Jaunt has announced some exciting ones of their own this year. Of course, the ones with the Agility Prime contracts that you've mentioned, but also um, partnerships across the world. So Wally Mobility in Italy, for example, Farron Vehicles in Latin America and mainly Colombia, and then Vertigo Aero uh, in, in the US as well. Are you able to tell us about the impact of these partnerships and how do you think this will help going forward as the market begins to scale up? We're very fortunate and, and proud to, to be associated with those three companies and, and several more. One in particular we're hoping to announce here soon. It's a tier one global you know, flight simulation and pilot training company that, that we're hoping to announce uh, in the coming weeks as, as being a key a partner and supplier for our program. In terms of the ones you mentioned, I'll briefly you know, talk about them. And, and there are several others, but we are very uh, proud to, to work with and collaborate with these companies. Vertigo Aero is a company based out of Florida developing a hybrid architecture. And as you know, that has many advantages, uh, certainly in the near term, in terms of payload range and meeting certain FA requirements for operations. Uh, we're exploring a hybrid configuration at this stage. We're yet to develop a full uh, development and certification program around that, but that's progressing quite nicely with Vertigo. Uh, they've made a tremendous uh, progress uh, over the last year, their uh, genset development and hybrid architecture yielding uh, quite a lot of really good power to weight uh, performance capabilities. So uh, that that's ongoing and and hopefully we'll we'll be able to make some announcements regarding our hybrid program this year. Wally and Verone are two, as you mentioned, two um, different companies and different continents. Uh, Wally has been, uh, we, we started working with them over a year ago now, and they've progressed quite nicely in their vision and for Italy and beyond. They're based in Milan and, and have a, a very great uh, team that is working to understand, you know, the near-term and then longer-term operational scenarios for Italy. Italy is really well-positioned in terms of their geography and, of course, their their population layout and, and, and transportation infrastructure uh, to accommodate and benefit from eVTOLs. And so we, we've We've been very fortunate to work with them and, of course, their partners as well uh, to bring UAM to, to Italy uh, in 2026. And then Verone uh, as well has brought together a lot of companies uh, to work with uh, Verone starting in Colombia and ultimately progressing through Latin America. Uh, Latin America and Colombia, and in fact, every continent has obviously a different uh, layout in their cities uh, and also a different public acceptance. Uh, people see aircraft and future EV tolls differently and, and their benefits. Um, and so Verone has uh, done a really nice job in laying out a, an ecosystem infrastructure and airspace design to accommodate an EV tall mode of transportation that specifically addresses the, the needs of the cities in Latin America, starting with Colombia. 
And it's very different than here in the US and in Europe and in Asia. And so uh, we're very, very fortunate and happy to work with them uh, in the near term to help uh, work on that public acceptance factor in Colombia. And over the next couple of years, when we have our full-scale pre-production aircraft uh, ready to fly, we'll, we'll hope to work with them to, to use it in the best way possible to you know build that uh, enthusiasm and excitement around uh, operations uh, down there. And there are companies in Asia that we've uh, partnered with, and we hope to announce one of them here soon, that is uh, based out of Southeast Asia, that is already operating rotorcraft that is very well positioned with specific markets in, in cargo and passenger and also flying to remote areas and parts of Asia and some of the countries there to to bring you know this new technology, whether it's battery or hybrid electric aircraft, into their fleet. And what's important for us at Jaunt ultimately, um, and and we have partners in Canada as well with the Canadian Air Mobility Consortium and 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 here in the U.S. with some of the existing operators of Rotorcraft. But globally, it's important for us to understand the the requirements with with these different uh, organizations. Just like Airbus and Boeing and traditional aircraft aviation today, you want to design an aircraft that really meets the majority of requirements and needs globally. No point tailoring these aircraft to a specific city, country. It, it, you really want to understand what what is important in performance and safety and reliability and uh, all of those factors, and that's the purpose of really connecting with all these companies is to really get their input um, and also give them our capabilities, uh, give them an understanding of our capabilities so that they can design you know, their operations and their markets in, in the right way. Really well summed up, Simon. Thank you ever so much for, for all that in, insight as well. And, and as always, really appreciate you talking to me about a host of industry topics. I, I feel our listeners will really value your expertise and insight in this as well. So for now, thank you ever so much for talking to me and we look forward to hearing more updates from John in future. Thank you, Jason. And once again, thank you for the invitation. And I definitely look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to be featured in one of our podcasts, or there's something you feel we should be talking about, then please send me an email at editorial at evtolinsights.com. We'll be back soon with another episode, so look out for it on whichever podcast platform you use. Goodbye.